I got really interested in as I'm going through all of this change stuff with people, what are all of the Jedi mind tricks that we can understand what's actually happening here? Welcome to Mitten Money, delivering insights from Michigan-based business leaders, big and small. William Zank, host of Mitten Money at TriStar Trust, loves nothing more than creating this masterclass so that you can get insight to guide your leadership journey in just under 30 minutes. Subscribe today and connect with William at mittenmoney.com. What's going on, everyone? You're listening to another episode of Mid Money. Now, a question for all listeners out there. Have you ever felt stuck in life? Maybe you want to make a pivot in your career or your life, but you really just don't know where to start? Well, if you answered yes to that, then this is an episode that you don't want to miss. So I had an amazing conversation with Michelle Burkhart, who's an internationally recognized growth coach. We cover a wide range of topics from what I mentioned above to including what do people typically make changes in their life? Why do people struggle so much with change and so much more? So welcome, Michelle, to Mint Money. So Michelle, as I've heard from so many others, you've helped a lot of people throughout your own career. However, as I noticed from my own research, it looks like you weren't always in coaching. And so what made you initially interested in the field? So my background is actually in education, tangential to coaching, definitely not the same. I loved my time as a teacher. I was a classroom teacher and then I was an administrator. That's really where I got the bug for leadership. Unfortunately, it was at a time where in education, there wasn't a lot of training on leadership. It was really about management. So how do you manage systems and processes, but not lead people? I'm a learner. So what I did was went to the bookstore and I was poor at the time. So I got three books in one, the only one of its kind by John Maxwell, who has become a dear friend and mentor of mine. And John taught me the leadership model. And I started to apply it and realized, oh my gosh, I love this. That was almost 20 years ago. And throughout that time, I've really been a student of understanding the mind, of thinking, the mindset. Recently got my PhD last year in assessment, evaluation, and accountability, which sounds really boring, but it's not. It's about how individuals, groups, and systems go through change. And coaching is really, really impactful because... It gets down underneath what you think you know. Most people, what they do is they have knowledge about what they should do. So let's say you don't have to go and read a health book to know what are some good healthy decisions. We all know those, but the issue is you're not doing them. It's a gap. It's a performance gap. And so I got really interested in, as I'm going through all of this change stuff with people, what are all of the Jedi mind tricks? that we can understand what's actually happening here. I literally am a student of thinking, not just for myself, but for all the people that I work with. As a part of finishing my PhD, I now have a very large platform to teach coaches how to be much more effective and influential without hurting their people. So not just getting the work done, but actually encouraging and inspiring people to get to know themselves and to become better humans not just better workers. And that fascinates me. Of course, no. I mean, it sounds really fascinating just to be able to go hear your background and why you went into that and got a PhD in that too. You must love the subject. And so in your opinion, I can imagine a lot of people go through change professionally and then as it relates to their own personal lives. But why do you think so many people struggle with change? One of the standard answers to this kind of a question is a fear of failure. 
if I go back to school, if I get a new job, if I make this health change, what's going to happen when I fail? I don't think that that's actually the case. I think it's more of a fear of success. What's going to happen if I actually succeed? Go back to school, get that degree, then what? What am I going to do? If I make this new health decision for myself, let's say as a woman, maybe I'm providing the food for the family and I want to make a healthy decision, but my toddler doesn't. (laughs) That's going to cause some issues. If I take on this new job and maybe there's an element of travel to that and I really like that, but yet it's pulling me away from some other duties that I have. How is that going to change my life? Understanding that, yes, of course, there's that fear of failure if I fail, but we as humans, we know we fail. We were inherently born with that idea of failure and growth. We understand that. But sometimes there are some real issues, and usually it centers around the people in our life, that if we make this change, it's going to rock the boat. It's going to make some people unhappy. If you have to spend nights and weekends doing homework, going back to school, how are the people in your life going to handle that? Working through that understanding and realizing you can navigate and negotiate your life to work through that as you're making that change. So it doesn't have to be something that completely derails your life, but what is the cost of not changing? I think the real issue is, where's the tipping point for you? How much pain do you need to be in before you say the pain of being here is actually greater than the pain of possibly failing or changing my life to be a success? So I think that's a perfect analogy that you put regarding how much pain vice versa, going one way or the other. How should someone think about that, whether it's a permanent change you're looking to go make? So maybe it's a new job, a new career, just some very simple things that we can think about. Or maybe you know it's more temporary as in, I don't mean this as a temporary thing, but maybe you're going back to school to get some type of educational training. Asking yourself, one of my favorite coaching questions, what would you like instead? A lot of coaches, they understand the question, what would you like? That's a goal-oriented question. That's awesome. Most times, people, when you ask them that question, they'll tell you all the things they don't want. So here are the experiences I'm having in my life that I do not want to experience anymore. Great. There's value in that. But if you can't come up with a goal, you're going to basically get more of what you've always gotten. So when you ask that one question, what would you like instead, the brain automatically switches to, oh, yes, that's right. I can have anything. What would I like? And then you can play around with that. But what happens after that is now we move from the pain of the situation I'm in to excitement of, I could have this. This would be really cool to fear, paralyzing fear. And that's where the fear of failure and success kick in. But then if you're working with a coach who understands the process, they know that there's value to that process. That's a different kind of pain that can actually be used as a motivator, as an engine to get towards a goal. This might sound a little odd. I tell my clients this all the time. I'm perfectly comfortable with your discomfort because when you understand the learning process, there's a measured discomfort that leads us to growth overwhelm, we don't want to go to overwhelm. That's where the brain shuts down. We're not getting anything good in that. That's where we take a nap, eat a grilled cheese, get a hug, that kind of thing, and then come back tomorrow. But there is that pain that actually adds to what I call the flavor of your story. We all have it, but when you become a master of it or you work with someone who is, it can take the sting out of it a little bit. 
So Michelle, when do you typically see people wanting to make a change? Does that hypothetical midlife crisis exist or do these events or spontaneous changes just pop up as life does? I think both. Yes, I do feel that there is value in what we call midlife crisis. If you do some research in aging and understanding life development, usually around the age of 40, we've had enough life experiences. We kind of know who we are, know what we like, what we don't like. We've tried a bunch of things. We probably failed a bunch. And we just realized there's got to be something deeper, more significant, more meaningful here. That's where I love to get a hold of people because maybe life has tried to condition them out of what I call joyful service. So whatever is lighting you up, whatever gives you passion that you are so excited about that when you get on somebody's podcast, you talk really fast because you're like, yay, this is awesome. But yet life conditions maybe have said that's not for you. Or maybe your early caregiver said that's not going to make you any money. (laughs) Go out and make money. And so by the time you're in that midlife category, you're like, fine, I've made some money. So what? And you want something more significant. So that's usually where people are making a change. I know for me, mine didn't happen midlife. Mine happened about 15 years ago when I was starting to come out of the classroom. I was doing some math. To me, having significance and impact and helping people is really important. That's a core value of mine. So I was doing the math. As a classroom teacher, I could affect this many students, this many years. You can come up with a number. And then as an administrator, I thought, oh, I like this math better because I have so many classrooms. So times what I was doing before, I was like, yes, this is awesome. And then I thought, well, how can I get that number higher? So I started public speaking doing a bunch of trainings and things like that. Last year in 2022, we had a little over a million people engage with the work. So that's exciting for the year. That's awesome. Impact and influence and significance has become really important. So if I can take what I do and work with one person who, let's say, runs their own business or is a speaker trainer, kind of what I'm doing, and they can go out and impact all of those people, That's math that you'll never get to the end of. And I love that. That's perfect. I appreciate you touching on that. And so for people who are interested in finding a career coach, a life coach, first off, do you typically work one-on-one with individuals? Do you work with possible group settings? And then how do you even go about trying to find someone? Because I can imagine too, there's probably a lot of options, whether it's more virtual, more in person. There's a lot of variables in this. And so I know it's not going to be a point blank, simple answer, but would love to hear a professional take on this. Absolutely. So there's several things I would like people to understand. This field that we call coaching, there's two definitions I want you to keep in mind. Coaching, the process of coaching, is where someone asks questions so that you can come to an awareness of something and make a goal. Anybody can coach anybody on anything if you know how to ask really great questions. I was a former preschool teacher. I saw preschoolers coaching other preschoolers on various things. It's not hard. There are some skills that you can learn, but it's not hard. Now, mentorship is completely different. Mentorship is where an expert gives advice to a willing participant in order for them to make a change or to discover a skill. So a couple things you need to know about that. The mentor has to be an expert. So they have to know something about it. So for example, I've taught hundreds of three-year-old preschool kids so I can teach you anything you want to know about a three-year-old. My son just turned 18. I got nothing. 
<laughs> so if anybody has a few 18 year olds, reach out to me, give me some advice. Okay. So I can coach someone who has an 18 year old. I cannot mentor them because I don't know. Also, it has to be a willing participant. So nobody likes free advice. So you got to have an agreement of some sort. And it has to be towards developing something. So in this coaching industry, especially with COVID, a lot of people were coming out of their jobs saying, I have a specific skill set. I can really share this with the world. Beautiful, amazing mentors. And they're calling themselves a coach. Be very careful. Just know what you're getting into. So if you're looking for someone who is helping you understand yourself more, why do I do this thing? Why do I have this procrastination thing? Why do I self-sabotage? If you want to know yourself more, you're looking for a coach. If you want to know a system or a process more, you're looking for a mentor. So let's say you go to a health coach. The health coach says, hey, we're going to teach you about nutrition and exercise. Great. Here's the plan we're going to create for you. That's mentorship. Very valuable, but they're probably not going to be an individual focused thing. So know what you're looking for. As far as format goes, anything goes at this point. I will say in my practice, a majority of the time I'm online. It just works for me. I like to do business without a pair of shoes on. I like that model. I do some one-on-one stuff in person, but usually it's in a local community. I have clients in seven different time zones. So being virtual really is helpful. Also, I have tools that help me with time zone math because that's where my math skills go to die. Now, I do one-on-ones, a lot of one-on-ones actually, but I also have groups and the groups are very focused on a certain topic. So I have a group that's just on leadership. So understanding leadership principles. I have another one that we call Scrappy Business Builders. It's people who have been trying to get a business going. Maybe they paid some money to someone but yet it was a mentor, not a coach. And so they don't know how to individualize that business. And so we teach them how to be very simple and consistent and find their joyful service. I have another one that's much more personal development. So we have a group that we meet with every week and they just encourage and support each other in their growth. But then they have one-on-one sessions with me. So you can find all kinds. There is what we call low ticket, high ticket, and then skyrocket ticket is what I call it. So you can spend a ton of money depending on who you want to work with. The going rate right now for a mid-level business coach, if you will, is like ten dollars to $40,000 a year. I would say do your due diligence. So there's a couple things. Many of these coaches, which again are mentors, are amazing at marketing. I love marketing. Marketing is great. You have to be really good at what you do if you're going to be good at marketing. So a lot of people out there right now are great at marketing, not great at coaching, mentoring, or serving people. So ask for references. I would ask for references of people who are in their group currently and people who are no longer a part of their group because you'll get a good understanding of why. Because I've had too many clients who come to me and they've spent ten dollars to $30,000 and they have nothing to show for it. So just do your homework. Don't just say, oh, they're a coach. They've had these results because a leadership principle is that you can be really good at your job and get results, but your coach and mentor needs to be really good at helping you get results. And so if they're not helping their people get results, do not spend your money with them. That's perfect. That is the encapsulation I was looking for. So thank you, Michelle. 
Moving ahead now to our lightning round of questions. Michelle, what would you say is your most important daily habit? I have study time every morning. I'm usually up between 4 and 4.30. That's just how my system likes it. I do all kinds of stuff in my study time. That I have found over the past 30 years is really beneficial to me. I can go one or two days without. After that, my kids start saying, hmm, do you need a nap or do you need to go study? Because (laughs) that's what works for me. So finding what works for you is really, really important. It doesn't have to be study. It could be dance or swimming or whatever, but find the thing that gives you joy and passion and makes you feel human. Of course. What would you say is your favorite TV or streaming show that you're currently watching or have recently? I have a very eclectic taste in everything. I love to learn about everything. I love to watch everything. I'm not a big fan of reality TV because there's very little reality. But I love documentaries. Currently, ironically, I am going through probably for the last year. I don't know why this is a fancy of mine. I'm watching every documentary I can on people who get into a cult. I am fascinated with the thinking. So the thinking from all points of view, first of all, the leader, how does that happen? There's some commonalities there. But when you're a follower, how does that happen? And then what about the people who are outside of it? And so I'm looking at it from all of these different facets. And it's very interesting. So we have cults all around us. I won't name it, but there's some health cults out there that worship broccoli, kale, those things. And also religious cults, political cults, things like that. And I think I'm just really fascinated with this idea of people being responsible for their own thinking and really doing their own thinking as opposed to letting other people think for them, which is why I gravitate more towards coaching rather than mentoring. Of course, I can definitely see that. And Michelle, if you can be remembered for just one thing, what would it be? If I could be remembered for one thing. So John Maxwell has a beautiful book out there called Intentional Living. And it takes you through basically creating what he calls your legacy statement. So when you're at your funeral, obviously, you'll be fine. You won't be thinking about anything. But when people are at your funeral, what will they be saying about you? Not today, but when you're at your funeral. And so many years ago, I went through this process. And I want everybody who has contact with me to be able to stand at my funeral and say, you know what, Michelle saw me for who I was. And she introduced me to my new self. That's what I want. So whether you're one of my three teenagers, whether you're somebody in the community, whether you're my client, I don't care who it is, my cashier at the bank, I want people to be seen by me and to feel that they're valued, that they're honored as people, and maybe even invited into whatever their best self is, whatever that means to them. That's wonderful. Thank you for touching on that. And for those who want to learn more about yourself, what are some good resources for the listeners out there? So the easiest resource would be our podcast. We have over 1,200 episodes now. It is a daily podcast. We shoot for 10 to 15 minutes, kind of a shot in the arm about thinking. The title is Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life. I think we're on eight or nine different platforms. I think we just reached our 94th country. So I'm really excited about that. We're number three in Kyrgyzstan, if anybody's interested. I have no idea why, but that's fascinating to me. So change your thinking, change your life. And it really goes through anything having to do with thinking, the brain, mindset, changing anything that you want. So it's also a way that if you are unable to work with me as a coach, listen to the podcast. I kind of run it like a coaching session. I'll do a little teaching, but then I'll ask a bunch of questions. So that's a good resource. 
And then you can always find me on Facebook. That's my only platform right now. I know I did all the other platforms that drove me mad. And I said, I'm done with that. But especially if I'm traveling, I like to share funny travel stories of all the things that I see of the weird people in my travels. You can just find me, Michelle Burkhardt on Facebook. It's pretty easy. Well, thank you, Michelle. And thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Mid Money. Please don't forget to follow our podcast so you don't miss when episodes drop. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. You've been listening to Mitten Money, sponsored by TriStar Trust. Subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at TriStarTrust.com. <laughs>